Hey, hey, I'm Michael and welcome to The Good People Effect. They say to grow, you must first surround yourself with the right people. Well, not everyone has access to the right people right now. So The Good People Effect is a podcast that surrounds you with these awesome humans to help you grow as a person. So ignite your sense of purpose, explore your inner creativity, follow that adventurous spirit and get motivated to start becoming the best version of you through a regular dose of The Good People Effect. Enjoy. Good people, what's happening? What's going on, good people? I'm so happy to have you back with me today. The show's all about surrounding you with some awesome humans to help you grow. And today I've got a really, really beautiful soul with me, someone that I'm really happy and lucky to call a friend, uh, someone that has helped so many people grow and, and create positive changes in their lives. And today we're going to be talking about how to make positive changes in your life. We're going to be talking about meditation, building a solid habit and the benefits of that. We're going to be talking about the amazing juju that comes along with being on point with your values. We're going to be talking about how to go for fulfillment instead of happiness. We're going to be talking about his travel stories and um, you know, really some of the ups and downs of his experienced life where he's really gone through some a roller coaster of experiences, good and bad, that has led him to the point where he is today um, in order to, um, you know, grow and help people. He's needed to go through these experiences. So he's going to share some of that with us today. We're very lucky to have him on the show. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this chat with the very beautiful, very amazing, very soulful and intelligent Amrit Sandhu. Amrit Sandhu, what's <laughs> happening, my friend? What is going on? Not a lot How's here, present in the moment, having a chat with uh, you. Great to connect with you again, brother. Yes, it's it's been a while, huh? How long has it been? I think it's been at least a year. It's been at least a year, and it's not my fault. It's yours. You've been traveling around a lot. <laughs> yeah, but we're finally here together, and we're we're getting into it. So I remember the last chat we had. We actually met up at your apartment in Melbourne, and. It was it was just a beautiful day. It was a sunny day. We were relaxing. There was some smudge sticks being burnt. There <laughs> were some hand pans being played. And it was just a beautiful day. So what's been happening since then? I'm just going to throw the biggest question Whoa. out. <laughs> what's been going on? Oh man. What comes to mind? So much, so much has been happening since then. Um, I guess when you were over. Um, I was in the process of transitioning out of my career. And I think we shared that a little bit at the same time because you were leaving um, to go on this epic travel around the world. Um, and I was basically committing career suicide at the time um, and leaving my job. And um, yeah, and so since then, uh, I've walked out onto the path of the inspired evolution, um, just trusting, not really knowing exactly what it was going to look like um still having things that i was passionate about so i guess the inspired evolution is all about living the life of your dreams the life that inspires you the most basically living the life that you love and um yeah so in and around that i've basically been uh training corporate mindfulness for predominantly for construction companies but now also other companies so last week um we started doing uh, corporate mindfulness trainings for pwc in canberra um also working with it companies here um, and also, yeah, still working with construction companies. So doing lots of corporate mindfulness, um, which has been absolutely thriving. And that sort of information to do that sort of came from the Inspired Evolution podcast as well, knowing that, you know, after interviewing people that have been doing this in their life again and again, it's actually your biggest challenges that form your biggest gifts, you know, and then learning 
how to share your gifts with others um, is your purpose and your dharma. And so that kind of unraveled because my biggest challenge so far to life was probably, uh, yeah, struggling with depression for about six years. And out of that came mindfulness and meditation. And so it is basically no surprise to me now that this is kind of the work that I do. And so in and around that, um, the podcast has been thriving um, just because I guess the work has been reaching more and more people. Um, and the Inspired Evolution is, yeah, inspired and evolving and it continues to do that. Um, episodes released every week uh, on a Monday. Um, and yeah, just the, the following has been really incredible. That's opened up heaps of opportunities to speak more and more internationally. Um, and so I've been doing that. Spoke in uh, California, in Estonia, Thailand recently and now we're back here in uh, Melbourne we've done seminars in Australia um, Sydney Melbourne all over the place and um, yeah so just uh, just speaking training facilitating um, in and around corporate mindfulness um, there's personal development content we've got that alignment with Mind Valley um, where we're helping them build a school for humanity um, that's amazing you, it yeah. sounds like you're doing quite a lot and just there's for a you lot out happening there, there. So, yeah I could I could keep yeah going. there's heaps going on and just for you out there um, Amrit runs a podcast called uh, Inspired Evolution and we're going to get into more about that in a moment mm -hmm. uh, but this is what I love about you like I get you on the show and you've just answered like six of my questions you're not like <laughs> someone that's hard to interview you know what I mean I love it so uh, I don't even know where to begin so be tell me because you might run out of questions no, I'm kidding <laughs> no I'll be alright I've got plenty in my pocket don't worry <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so tell me, let's let's rewind a little bit and sure. talk to me about uh, what you were doing before, and what was the catalyst that made you decide that it wasn't right for you, and how did how did that journey begin? What I was doing before the Inspired Evolution, or before I left? Yes. Okay, sure. So basically, I um, am qualified as a structural engineer, um, and that was basically born out of my love for architecture. Um, but I was always really good at numbers and physics, touch wood. Um, maybe just growing up Indian, we're good with numbers. Um, I just loved numbers and physics and physics still fascinates me to this very moment. You know, it's the, the language that, you know, the universe is kind of built upon now. What interpretation of it is probably the purest interpretation comes from physics. Um, yeah, so I was really good at that and that just came, brought me to structural engineering. Um, and out of, Graduating as a structural engineer, I started working in project management. Um, I basically grew up um, with a family that uh, ran a small business. And so just management was something that naturally sort of just came to me quite well um, because it's all people and relating with people. Um, and so, yeah, I did that for quite some time. Um, but it's an interesting question that you asked because specifically I remember rocking up to uh, my job on the first day um, in like I'd worked in you know, construction management for a little bit while I was also um, studying. But when I graduated, got the graduate job, which was like the, the winning ticket job. It was like probably the, one of the best jobs a graduate could have gotten touch wood. Um, I remember going into work and it was actually the very first day. Yeah. I saw that, you know, my CEO, uh, my regional director, um, and they weren't embodying anything that I wanted out of life, really, to be honest. Um, and I just remember feeling that inside and just going, wow, I'm in a, this is definitely a corporate, corporate ladder. I think we all understand the, the, that metaphor for a ladder. Um, and this is kind of where it goes. It goes to there. Um, and that this is your first day, your very my first, first day. day, you know, very first day. And I'm like, that's where it goes. And I'm not sure if I have a lot in alignment with that particular individual. Um, 
you know, construction is an interesting um, place to be. Um, there's a lot of pressure, a lot of deadlines. Um, and that's why I teach corporate mindfulness there now, but that's a whole nother conversation. But um, yeah, look, let's just put it, let's just be honest. We can be right. It's free media podcasting. So, you know, the values of honesty weren't super strong um, in some of the people that I was working with. Um, and that was just like one of many things, you know? And so I just sort of realized that, oh, maybe, you know, for me, I felt maybe the the next generation is the ones that bring the change, you know? So like we're kind of the ones that have be the change you wish to see in the world. And this is what organizations go through. So slogged it out for many years, you know, um, just worked stayed for years. Yeah, actually. And that was hard to accept, you know, that was hard to accept. Um, and the thing that was kind of bothering me while I was doing all of that was, you know, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins and uh, he says, you get what you tolerate, you know? And I was, and having that awareness of the fact that you get what you tolerate um, and then still continuing to tolerate it, you know, and then realizing that, you know, like it's just because I don't have a roadmap to anywhere else, you know, I just, yeah, it's one I've thing spent- to, to want change and it's another thing to figure out how to go about it and where to begin. And yeah. like you said, you need some kind of a path, at least in your mind. Um, in the direction to go into because otherwise what are you meant to do hmm, you know and i think it's fascinating because now people kind of see this amrit and they're like hey like you know you're traveling you're speaking you're coaching you're facilitating and all this sort of stuff which is you know you're living life on your own terms but the reality of the situation is that i'm actually quite a risk adverse individual yeah um and that just comes out of like 101 me being an engineer you know like you don't want me to be <laughs> not risk adverse when i'm building a bridge that thousands are going to drive over you know what i mean like that's just not yeah. suited to you know the, the type of person that i trained to become um and so i am risk adverse and so it got to the point where you know after like and so i just didn't have a, a map to to know where i was going and ultimately what was starting to happen though, i was starting to see more and more people that were living life on their own terms I was just exposed to more and more people that, you know, happened to be traveling, um, happened to be making money while they were traveling and travel for me is, as it is for you, I know, um, is just one of the most amazing things. Like long before there was personal development in my life, there was travel in my life. Um, and just how much I learned and grew while I was traveling, putting myself in new environments, learning, oh, that's just a cultural thing that's not really a real thing or this is a human being thing you know like just disseminating between all these different things um that was really profound for me and so seeing people that were you know living and embodying the values really that they wanted to embody um not being uh crafted by their organizations to be that person uh was inspiring me but i had no idea how to connect with these people learn from these people these people weren't in organizations it just happened to be that these guys were these people were either creatives or entrepreneurs and um i think another real turning point uh answer to your question was the last year that i actually left my job um i remember it was probably about i left my job in uh december that year and i think it was about jan or feb i was sitting there on a job site and uh, having my having my lunch my uh, things in a acai bowl actually i know it was an acai bowl i don't know why i said i think it's an acai bowl it wasn't a acai bowl and i'm sitting there <laughs> eating this acai bowl and i've just something's hit me and i've googled the the definition of courage um i don't know why like just these random moments of inspiration i've just googled courage I feel like checking out some some information about courage. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I'm looking at it and I'm just reading 
what courage means. And I like, I'm just, I'm having a moment, like a, a full moment of unraveling in this and while searching Google. Right. So I previously thought prior to this, that courage was actually the same as fearlessness. Right. And maybe it's because I watched too many Braveheart movies growing up. Like Braveheart is my favorite movie. <laughs> and um, yeah. And yeah, so, so good. <laughs> he plays it so well. Um, but yeah, so I just thought fearlessness and courage were the same thing. Like courage meant not having fear. And I'm on Google and it says courage basically is not not having fear. It's having fear and taking action in the face of fear, despite fear. And it was like, oh, snap, you know, because I think as men in this society, we kind of grow up wanting to be strong, wanting to be courageous. Um, but it was almost weird to admit that it took me about 28 years to figure out what courage really was, you know? Um, and so I'd heard at that point bolstered by a lot of the personal development stuff that I'd been listening to was, you know, like, what's your relationship with fear like? And so that was a linchpin moment for me where it was like, Oh wow. Okay. So this is really fascinating. Like I can feel the fear now, which is I don't have the courage to step into a life that is, doesn't have a consistent paycheck isn't like the, the, the lights along the runway aren't well lit, you know, cause like this is such a well lit pathway that, you know, go to high, like primary school, high school, yeah, it's all set college, up for you. university, you know, everything's get, set up, get a job, boom, off you go. You but know, then you get stuck in retirement. this zone of being too comfortable. Do you know what I mean? Like you get stuck in this zone of kind of living your life in a way that, you know, if you, if you were to look back on it, you might not be the happiest because you've just kind of gone down the easy route and it's not to blame anyone. I mean, it's easy to get sucked in. I mean, I was definitely sucked in. I mean, everyone I know has been sucked in on this kind of journey because they make it so easy because you've got the reoccurring paycheck and you've got all your benefits and your bonuses and um, your sick days and all this kind of thing. And I mean, for some people, they seem like legitimately happy. Don't get me wrong. But for a lot of people, they're just really not. And I think it's what I think it does come back to courage. And it, it kind of comes back to taking a dive and stepping into the unknown and taking a risk on yourself and, and just really trying to figure shit out. That's what I reckon. But it's not an easy thing to do. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You and know what I mean. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, in that, I, um, I just started doing some things differently. Um, and one of the things that popped out of doing things differently was a podcast. I'm sort of condensing a very long story short here. Um, and initially I didn't even want to do a podcast, but it's another very long story, very short. Um, but then, yeah, starting on a podcast, I started interviewing people that were doing the work that I wanted to be able to do that were creatives or entrepreneurs living life on their own terms. If you were living life on your own terms and you like, to me, that was success. You know, it wasn't like, yeah, you're bringing in 10 grand a week, you know, sure. it was like, Sure. You know, you're making a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars a week, two grand a week, you know, and, but you're like, you're doing, you're doing the surviving. that. You're, yeah. yeah. Like not even surviving. Like you're, you're making ample income for you, you know, like, mm -hmm. like to be honest, I don't know if we all need more than two grand a week. I really don't think we need that much more than that. That's a hundred grand a year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. depending on where you live, you could probably get away with a lot less to be honest. And I feel <laughs> exactly. like just exactly. touching on this point for a moment, I feel like it's so much cheaper to travel than it is to live in Australia or <laughs> to live in home, home country. So I don't know. That's just a consideration. But no, I definitely it's get absolutely worth mentioning that. I've got friends that um, now, you know, being in the entrepreneur space, I've got friends that are entrepreneurs that live in, um, live in places in Thailand. And it's literally like, I think it's five to 10 grand for a villa on the side of the beach with thriving Wi-Fi, and their businesses are completely run by internet um, mm. and they live on these villas 
beachside in Thailand, you know, mm. and it's what I pay for rent in two months. They pay for an entire. Ten grand can get you a nice place in the in the center of Belgrade, which is the capital city of Serbia, for a year and a half at least. See, and that's like <laughs> a really nice place, and you're eating dinners out all the time. And that's I mean, three. Yeah, that's yeah. Th- that's three months rent for me. <laughs> you know, so it's it's a very interesting. Um, once you start opening up to like this whole new way of being, so much shifts. Hope you're enjoying this chat with Amrit Sandhu, the very lovely, soulful, wonderful person that he is. Uh, if you are enjoying this chat and you want more of the good stuff, then please head over to goodpeopleeffect.com where you can find secret episodes and other podcasts and videos and there's just plenty of good stuff there so if you haven't already head over to goodpeopleeffect.com and check it out you were touching on and what i really want to just bring home was yeah the idea that you know you you definitely hit the nail on the head is that you know when i started doing the podcast i was hoping and this is the engineer in me that i would actually like interview maybe 200 300 people give myself the time you know and figure out like an entrepreneurial creative blueprint and be like, right, this is what I'm going to go do because this is what works for all these entrepreneurs. But it was only about 15 episodes in that I really realized actually there is no formula. Like all these people are living life on their own terms, but they are unique individuals and their offerings are completely unique. It's just an extension of who they are. And that's how they became successful because they're so in touch with who they are and delivering that. Yeah, I think that's, that's very important, especially when you're selecting a niche and you're figuring out what you want to do and which path you want to take. I think you need to be honest with yourself and say, what could I do that I'm not going to lose kind of passion? What can, what can I do that I, you can't really fake it. I mean, faking it will only work for a certain amount of time. And even if you do make a lot of money off it, you're not really going to be happy. You know what I mean? You've got to yeah, be honest you, with yourself. You just set yourself up for another job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Um, and so, yeah, just in that, I basically found that, you know, what I did learn was that these people had some inner stuff that was really different to other people's, which, you know, it came down to the soft gooey stuff inside, which was like, what is your relationship with the universe? Like, like, can you trust, you know, and these, this stuff is not stuff that you can, like someone can teach you about, right. It's stuff you've got to go do. You've got to take action on and learn like Mm. what it means to have that subliminal stress of like not consistently having a paycheck and then waiting on like, your next like earning income based on project-based work is a whole different paradigm to be in, you know, especially mm. when you're conditioned to be on like a, in a paycheck. And so just these little things, like you don't learn until you execute. And so realizing that and having the realization that courage is what I really need, like, like that realization about courage dropping in um, gave me the moment and the space to sort of go, right. Okay. Like I'm going to have to walk into the unknown and, take some time off from my job, take some time off from my PhD and just walk into the inspired evolution. And just the energy of the inspired evolution was so strong that I just sort of said, I'm just going to give myself to it for about a year. And yep, uh, so you've, you've already, you've done, you've just highlighted something very important that you've set yourself. I read an interesting book recently called the dip. Have you heard of this book No, I haven't. by Seth no. Godin? And he's it's amazing. <laughs> he's the man. Yeah. He's definitely the man. So he talks about like setting yourself up and he says, he says, look into the future and decide when you're going to quit because he says you should quit the wrong things often that's a good thing people are kind of brought up to think that you know you never want to be a quitter you want to st- stick the whole way but the truth is you should be quitting the shit and you should be sticking to the good stuff and when things get hard you should really stick decide to what you're going to stick to so he says decide in advance you've already just said that you said a year in advance we'll see how we are so put some solid metrics down in a year's time if I'm not here, here, here doing this, this, and this, then I'm going to quit this. 
and I'm going to put my energy and focus into something else because you haven't got energy and focus for everything. Mm. And you mentioned that there's no blueprint. And I totally agree with that. I definitely agree that you should kind of focus on your, what your insight is telling you to do. But at the same time, I feel like there are ways that people make money, right? Online and, and be an entrepreneur. And there are ways that work. And you can read about all these ways online. So I'm just curious to know, what is your method? Like, what are you doing at the moment to survive? Right. So in order to thrive, <laughs> thrive, yes. um, what's going Sorry, on? Survive makes it sound like you just you know, <laughs> to thrive. Yes. So that's, I think just in that, like language is really important. Um, you know, coming to that's learn true. like, cause your self talk mm-hmm. is so vital um, on the journey when you're basically bolstered by yourself. Um, and so, yeah, in and around at the moment, um, most of my income, if I think that's the question you're asking me about, it comes from me doing corporate mindfulness trainings. So finding organizations that want corporate mindfulness. Um, and initially that was a real challenge. Um, I was cold calling a lot of people and it really wasn't working um, until I basically decided that I'm just going to find people that meditate and see what their companies are like and then tailor make mindfulness solutions for their companies because the, the, the owner of the company has already sold on meditation and mindfulness. They've been doing it for years. Um, yeah, and so you're niching really- down. You're niching down exactly what you do. You're not just a, a, a regular corporate coach you're actually niching down exactly what you're specializing in which has been definitely been a challenge like every time i roll out to a new company i've got to come up with a whole new course and program and how do you pitch Mm. a whole new course and program but i think therein lies the value right and so that's anyway that's a whole niche field um but yeah that's um that's kind of that's the work that keeps me uh most abundant um on the back of that naturally going especially like construction sites this was just you know and a lot of what i try to do is just be as organic as possible and just meet people where they're at. And so going out to construction sites and doing corporate mindfulness for construction companies, um, you know, sounds glamorous, but for a big part, like initially when it started out, it was just me going out to construction sites and running mindfulness meditations, you know, and uh, the only, the only reason, you know, there was anything different to, to that was because I was a bloke that had been in construction and I could deliver mindfulness trainings with swear words in them, wearing steel cap boots and people were open because they knew that I'd been in construction. Um, and I think people have this really interesting sort of thing about construction work because I think they're all macho and hard and on the outside and maybe they are on the outside, but the minute you scratch that layer, there's just, they're they're complete human beings that have never, like if anything more soft on the inside, because they've never had anybody to talk to about their stuff. Um, and so that kind of naturally lent itself towards, um, just coaching and, you know, supporting people through like a lot of emotional stuff. So then I went back to the drawing board and started learning a lot more about emotional intelligence, um, and just really boning up on a lot of that. And that work continues now. Um, and so working on emotional intelligence with people. So that has now bled into coaching. Um, so from coaching and then corporate training, now we deliver our own, uh, local seminars on emotional intelligence or lifestyle design and that sort of stuff. Um, so everything that's kind of helped me along the way, it's just an impetus to share that. So, so the seminars have about a hundred people attend, um, in the Melbourne, Sydney, wherever. Um, nice. and the last one we did was living a life on your own design. Right. And so that's kind of what the inspired evolution has been doing as well. Um, and so now, uh, that's recently having coached. And so this is just giving you an insight on where we're at and where we're going just to be completely yeah, yeah. transparent. Um, so now me. I've been doing enough coaching clients that like it's starting to get slightly boring. Um, just because I've been, I've been repeating the same content. Right. And so mm. we just spent the last, uh, months just before I went to Thailand, um, in December, um, filming online courses. And so now we've got like consistent, like the same content is there. So the, the, the stuff that I found myself repeating a lot of 
uh, was like, okay, so I'll just put that into an online course. And then on the back of that, now I can coach you to the content so I can get there. Are you going to monetize the course through something like Udemy or are you going to do it through um, no. your current audience off the podcast? or which No, so definitely not doing it off Udemy. Um, it's just going to be a uh, like on the back of my website. Um, I'm just going to have a, a, a section to my website. You can use something called LearnDash. You can build yourself a platform um, where you've got online courses um, hosted on your website. And my intention there is basically um, only to, like, I don't want to go gangbusters, you know, it's just a matter of like, instead of having to um, coach one-on-one and spend all my time one-on-one, it's like, okay, cool. Here's the content on Monday, you know, and then we can discuss through it and we can go that little bit deeper on Friday when we catch up for a chat because you've already- a better way doing it. Absolutely, right? So So how can can this beautiful person listening check out- uh, your stuff on this website we'll mention it later but just yeah so the website is literally like i said the online courses are going up so the website's just been um pulled down for the next Mm -hmm. three weeks for all the content to be re uh put up to it so right now (laughs) but probably by the time the podcast comes out www.inspiredevolution.org um that's inspiredevolution.org and, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's all there. Um, the easiest place that I try and get people to contact me is Facebook. Um, just because I'm, I'm available there. Um, Facebook cool. message, look up Amrit Sandhu or the inspired evolution. You can send direct messages to the inspired evolution and it's pretty much me responding to them for the most part. So Amrit, talk to me about Eckhart Tolle and the school of awakening. You knew I was going to bring this up and I <laughs> saw that post and that's actually what, um, prompted me to get in touch again. So I'm like, oh, we haven't spoken in a little while. It's been a couple of months and yeah. I really want to see um, what's happening. Like, So you got accepted into a scholarship program with Eckhart Tolle and yeah. it sounds like exciting stuff to me anyways. Yeah, it's, um, it's fascinating how these things go. So touch wood, um, just to really, um, yeah, I guess just to bring it, bring it home, um, it's Eckhart Tolle is teaching people um, how to teach others to live a life of purpose and presence. Um, mm-hmm. and they gave me the opportunity to, um, to be trained by him to do this. Um, there's a little bit of a background as to where that all comes from. So I, about 18, maybe a little bit more months ago, um, started working with a company called Mind Valley. Uh, Mind Valley has, you know, been massive for me, um, just in terms of, you know, how much they had supported me, like their content online had supported me prior to just me being like, just me being on my personal development journey. Um, so what's Mind Valley? Is it like a subscription service? Is it, is it online courses? Or um, how does it work? So they've actually been through a lot of, they're, they're consistently undergoing their own inspired evolution at all times as well, actually. Um, so they, right now, what it looks like is Mind Valley is called Mind Valley University. And basically every year we have, we meet up at a campus. So this year in June, July, you'll find me in uh, Croatia speaking on stage at Mind Valley University. Um, and uh, there's about, I think, 1,400 people um, attending an offsite like it's a pop-up university. I can't really put it any better way than it's just like a pop-up university. Like people from all over the world come together in a beautiful destination to just learn and grow. We're learning things about like party, like physics, like, you know, hypnotherapy, like all these random, like, but amazing things that you wish you would have learned in life. You learn this. And so at the moment, what they've got is, um, they also run quests, which are like online courses, but more at mobile app based. And you basically run yourself through a quest, whether it could be like how to break up with sugar. Um, you know, there's nutrition stuff, there's meditation stuff, there's finding flow stuff. So there's 
requests on just about everything. And um, that's their model now. So basically you do three courses throughout the year and then you rock up at pop-up university and you basically have an amazing university campus experience. You don't have to go to the university. You can just do the quests online. You don't have to sign up for three quests a year. That's what I've got. Um, but you can basically just do one quest whenever you want to do it. Um, that sounds cool. Is it expensive? Um, depends what, um, depends how much you normally invest in your personal development. So going overseas to spend a month, uh, learning and that sort of stuff is about 1500 us. When you think Mm -hmm. about the stuff that you learn, um, Mm -hmm. it's definitely not expensive. It's actually very affordable. Um, Mm -hmm. and on the back of that, like even just like, you know, I'm slowly becoming more and more aware of just like how, like I firmly believe that my net work is my net worth. Um, and so it's just about growing my network, you know, like I'm always just meeting more and more. Yeah, works powerful, man. That stuff's Absolutely. real powerful. Yeah, so like and it's also investing in yourself for the long term. You Absolutely. Know, a lot of people look for these quick fixes, but really the strength lies in just setting yourself up for the future by, you know, crafting your skills, figuring out what you want to be doing and getting really good at it and concentrating on that and learning and growing. That's and, it. I mean, you know, that's the formula. You talk about it like that, 1500 bucks doesn't really sound like that much. It's really not. Um, it's yeah. really not. But that that sounds really cool. So, so, having uh, so Eckhart Tolle, how did that, how yeah, did that so kind of come from my Basically, mind? yeah, it's, uh, I'm giving you the long version, aren't I? Um, no, that's fine. And so, and so basically um, with Mindvalley running the way that they do, I really wanted to, like when I was in my job and I was stuck, I was like, dude, this is a company that's doing something that I'm really inspired by. I know if I rocked up there, I could look around and be inspired by everybody towards the mission that they have, right? Their values are unity, transformation and envisioning. And I stand for all of those. And so I kind of had this idea that, you know, somehow I'm going to, do I go work for this company? Um, And being a personal development education company, obviously working in project management, the pay grade is very different. I still didn't know if like I had the courage to step out and do that. But long story short, um, they basically offered a handful of subjects, a handful of people, the opportunity to become Mindvalley ambassadors in their local communities. And thanks to the podcast, thanks to Mandala Moments, um, you know, there was a bit of a tribe here in Melbourne that, you know, I was helping be a part of. Um, and they basically reached out and said, yeah, look, like we'd love you to be the Mind Valley ambassador for Australia. And that was awesome. So that completely blew my socks off. I got to the opportunity. Congratulations. Thank you, bro. Thank you, Touchwood. I got the opportunity to do the work that I really loved, but also in the place where I love being. So that was just phenomenal, you know. Um, and so on the back of that running, like doing that for a few months, I saw Eckhart Tolle had a school of awakening and it was like, Hey, how's it going? Rah, rah. You know, like, um, you've got a school of awakening. What's going on here? Um, and they were like, just yep. quickly, if you don't know who Eckhart Tolle is, power <laughs> of Man, amazing book, get onto it, get onto that shit. It's the book just um, changed my life. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was like, it just grounded. It was, it was grounded spirituality. You know, it was like, it was, I could express spirituality in a much more grounded way. Um, and just like awareness and mindfulness and the present moment. It was just, it's so clean and simple. The book is, you know, some people find it somewhat repetitive, you know, because it's such a simple thing. And like a lot of the book is like people asking questions of Eckhart and he's answering every question pretty much with the same, you know, plastering every wound with the same band-aid which is presence you know but it works i think that's the fascinating thing about the book is that like everything can be answered back to are you present that's just your mind <laughs> are you present yeah. that's just your yeah, mind. yeah yeah are you yeah. present that's just your it's mind interesting the way the way he puts it as well you know yeah. the way he describes it in 
really beautiful. And so, um, yeah, being exposed to the book, I in wait like long before that I got to the point where I reached out to them and said, you've got the school of awakening. Do you train trainers? And this thought was only in my head because mind Valley had trained me to be a trainer, like an ambassador, um, to deliver content in this country. And I was like, I wonder if Eckhart has something similar because he's got this school of awakening. And they were like, uh, no, this is not something, but you're actually not the first person to ask if something pops up, we'll let you know. And I was like, perfect. And I sort of just, that was one of those moments where I just sent an email and I like had this conversation with someone. I just sort of forgot about it because I said, no, you know, um, but they got back in touch with me, um, in November and they were like, uh, we created this thing, um, purpose and presence. And, you know, you can support people on the journey with this. And I was like, oh my God, amazing. Like this is phenomenal. Um, and then they also told me how much it was and I was like, okay, we're going to have to, I'm going to have to save up and to reinvest in myself to make this happen for myself. Um, but I'm really passionate about it. I think it's really amazing what you've created. Um, somewhere along the way I had told them that, you know, like I worked with construction sites and doing mindfulness on many on construction companies, especially when I first got in touch with them, that was the majority of all I did. Now I work with, you know, multinational finance companies and that sort of stuff as well. Um, but at that time, that's what I did. And I think that kind of set a, like a tone of like who I was to them. Um, and they said, okay, look, we're willing to offer you a scholarship, you know, because the work that you're doing, the environment that it's going to is kind of, and I think in, in hindsight, it is kind of novel. Like there's not many people going out to construction sites, guiding meditations. Um, and yeah, just doing corporate mindfulness for construction companies specifically. So yeah, that kind of became like the little touching point that they're like, we'll offer you a scholarship to do this work because the work that you're doing is probably important. Um, yeah, it's it's really going to help some people and, and there's not a lot of people doing what you're doing at the moment. So you, yeah. got, you, you were going out to construction sites and you were holding these meditations mm-hmm. and you've, you've done this before, haven't you? You've done meditation classes before that, haven't you? Um, no. 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 Okay. So I thought we I'd, discussed. Um, I'd basically been holding, I'd been guiding meditations. Um, so I have a, have a gathering that uh, occurs in my house called Mandala Moments. Um, people from the community come into my home and we basically sit down and I brew chai and we talk about all things, philosophy, religion, spirituality, whatever comes up for you. Um, okay. But the intention is super deep. We, are, we catch up, no alcohol. Um, I quit alcohol about two years ago and that's kind of what gave birth to this. Um, and yeah, we just, we just dive super deep. So in that format, before everybody like went in, I was guiding a meditation. Um, but just because it was really nice to start a gathering with a guided meditation, um, everybody kind of drops in to the same sort of energy state place. Um, and people started really enjoying it. So that I I was doing that. Um, but in terms of like getting financially reimbursed for helping people with, you know, mindfulness and, you know, emotional stuff that started with me just like when I left my corporate job, um, realizing that actually like I've been, and a big part of it was I spent many years being a project manager, boxing people into spreadsheets, creating stress in their life. You know, like, it's like, this is what my spreadsheet says. I know you're a human being, but this is what you've got to get done by this date on this time. Right. And people were like getting stressed out by this, but that's the, the role of project management. And realizing that I was like, I really came to terms with the fact that, you know, like I was dehumanizing people and now I feel like I'm doing the opposite thing, which is I'm going out to like the same country, uh, the same companies, the same industry and rehumanizing people and just being like, yes, those are deadlines. Yes, those are important, but there's nothing more important than your health and well-being, especially your mental health, you know? So, mm. yeah. That's interesting. So I, I want to jump around a little bit. Let's try something 
Uh, let's change gears and try something a bit random. So oh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a few random questions. <laughs> I just want like the first thing that comes to your mind okay. quickly because um, you're the third person, that third actual guest on this podcast that's mentioned this. What's quitting alcohol like? I mean, I'm having a beer right now. It's like <laughs> 40 degrees in Chile. I have a nice cold beer. feels good. But I did stop alcohol for a while and I had some amazing benefits from it and I'm thinking about doing it again. Yeah. So I think definitely not a bad idea so tell me about your experience with that what's uh what led you to do that and how's it feel um so basically quitting alcohol came from i went traveling to africa and south america um and in that journey i had my last beer in africa in kenya um and it wasn't even like a yeah this is going to be my last beer i just remember that was being my last beer um and at that point uh I, I went to South America, had some really uh, profound shifts in Guatemala. Um, and actually at that point, my girlfriend came home and uh, no, she kept traveling and I came home. And when I came home, I just, every time someone was picking up a beer or a glass of wine, to me, it was the same as them having a cigarette. Like it just, I don't know, like this, this awareness dropped in, like it was just different. Mm. Like the way I looked at it was very different. And it was Were really you very clean in other parts of your life. Were you eating healthy? Were you exercising? Um, like I, I think health has always been like a major thing for me. So the whole thing about the inspired evolution, people look at it and it's like, oh, this is helping people find their purpose. But really mm. for me, it's actually the healthiest thing you can do, like above all else, like yes, the gym, yes, you know, but you spend like, a third of your life at work, right? So you can't go to the gym and be there for like an hour and then go to eight hours of work that you absolutely, like your soul is destroyed in and then come home and eat like, you know, a salad and feel like, yeah, at least I'm physically healthy. No, that's, that's, that's gone. Mm -hmm. You know, like your health is your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so your health and the purpose are the same thing. And so that's really what I got really clear on. So this is what health is to me. And so I guess health has always been there for me. Um, something that I'm always continuing to work on. Even now I'm continually working on my health, finding new ways to work out, finding new ways to eat, like mm. fasting, nutrition, what to eat, when timings, like that's always happening for me. Are you meditating at the moment? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. That's like yes. every day. That's like every day. So twice a day. Every day? Every yeah, day. so I've been building this consistent habit of meditation recently and it's really, I don't know, I don't feel like I've really even come close to it paying off to be honest, but I feel like I have felt the benefits of it, but I really think it, it takes like years. I, I think yeah. it takes years of every single day, like not just, not just years of here and there. I reckon every single day for years until you start feeling, you know, some real profound deep shit. And so I, I think, think what you're sharing is totally valuable, but I think it might be scaring mm. some people off from meditation as well. Definitely, definitely. And, and I think you, you shouldn't go for intensity right away. You should aim yeah. for consistency. And even if it's a couple minutes a day. That's all you I need. Think, yeah. And I, I, I do think that it should be something that you commit to um, mm. for a long time rather than, okay, well, I'm going to do this for a week. Mm. I think in the beginning, it's fine to say, look, I'm going to do this once a week for five minutes or at least once a day for two minutes. It doesn't matter how small it is. But I think the goal should be to be able to do it consistently over a long period of time. And I think that should be really the mindset people go in when they go for it. When they start it off, start small, build the intensity as you go and just focus on the consistency. And I think 
I don't know. I just feel like every human should be meditating. But you're right. It could scare people when you're talking about it. I totally agree with you. And I think um, what you touched on is really important. Um, From working with enough clients on this now uh, and individual clients as well, um, two months, two months. If you can commit to a practice every day for two months, it becomes weirder to not do it than to do it um, Mm. after that two months period. So if you can commit for about 60 days, to really doing this there's like some really amazing juju and that's just from trial and error having done like lots of work with lots of people around this now can you share some tricks on committing because i know i know there's you know write it on your fridge i know there's you know set a time a specific time every day and try to be consistent with that time do you have any of those kind of little yes to help people get started with these kind of habits timing the timing thing um i find doesn't work um specifically because some people are really irregular with their sleeping patterns. So they go to bed late, they wake up late. Um, if you were meant to med- like meditate at 9am and let's say you woke up at 10, um, good on you for sleeping in. You're my hero. Um, uh, yeah, like you've missed your meditation and so now you don't adhere to it. Um, the basic science behind, and this is all the behavioral stuff that we go through normally in some of the programs that I do, um, is the easiest way to build a habit, right, is there are already habits in your life just tack your habit in between two other habits is ideal. Um, Mm -hmm. But on the back of another habit, sweet. And a habit doesn't mean like, you know, uh, like getting up to make breakfast could be considered as a habit, right? But a habit literally is you wake up, you go to the bathroom, right? That's something you do, right? That's just something you do. So if that's something you're going to do every day, go to the bathroom, have a shower, on the back of that, tack in a meditation, right? So that becomes part of your ritual. So it's like, wake up, go to the bathroom, have a shower, meditate, wake up, go to the bathroom, have a shower, meditate. Now, normally right after the shower, you'd make breakfast or something, right? So now you've tacked your meditation in between your shower and your breakfast. This is just an example that I'm giving you. So don't put down a specific time is what you're saying. Rather yeah, but, than that, but find it in it a flow that you've got every day. Now, if you don't have mm. a flow that you follow every day, like maybe you don't shower every day, maybe you don't make breakfast every day, maybe you don't, but there are certain things that whether you like it or not, biologically you are subject to because you're in a human body and mm-hmm. going to the bathroom is one of them, right? So you go to the bathroom first thing in the morning or maybe use the bathroom. Even if that's not available to you, you woke up, like you woke up in your body at some point. So when you wake up, and if you don't have to, if you don't use the bathroom first thing, can you spend the first five minutes meditating? It doesn't have to be five. When you first start out, it could be three. Can you spend the first three minutes just closing your eyes, connecting to your breath, and then going from there? Right? That's all it takes. So that's the easiest way to install a ritual is and this works for anything, like any ritual mm-hmm. you want installed in your life. Um, find something that you've already got in your life and plug it into the back of that. It's the easiest way to build a habit and a ritual. So mm-hmm. that's the little piece about building that. Um, going back to alcohol completely changed my life. I would not have had a podcast. I would not have created mandala moments, which gave birth to the podcast. If I didn't quit alcohol, um, alcohol was never an issue for me in my life. Um, such in the way that it was, I would drink all the time. That was not my relationship with alcohol, but very Aussie, which I'm sure you can relate to is that if I had one, it would turn into six, which would turn into 12, which would turn into like party, you know, like, and I'd just be like off my head. Yeah. Um, because so I've, we've spoken about break, uh, building the habits. Yeah. So when it comes to breaking habits, um, what advice do you have to do uh, in regards to that? Perfect. So a hundred percent is so much easier than 99%. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this is a, this is a, a friend of mine, Brian, he's a, he's an, he's a amazing coach. And, um, we talk about this and so, yeah, just, 
pure and simple, 100% is so much easier than 99%. In my humble opinion, there are different people with, and everybody needs different strategies. But in my experience for me and the people that are like me, in but in their mm-hmm. personality um this is this is just the saving grace um it's so much easier to like not drink alcohol as a blanket thing and just be like i don't drink then be like oh i'll drink occasionally on someone's birthday and i'll drink with someone here and i'll drink you know and if it's a yeah i know what you're saying you need to be all in or nothing and i think yeah. you need to actually look at why you're drinking in the first place and be honest, honest with yourself. So different people do different negative habits for different reasons. And if you analyze the habit, for example, smoking to relieve stress for a social thing, you know, maybe it's because you just need some time away from the family, whatever it is. Yep. So everyone has reasons for their habits. So if you can take the reason you're doing something, so you've got the catalyst, you've got the action, and then you've got the uh, result or the, or the um, perceived result. If yep. you can... Keep that perceived result, but just replace the action with something else. I think that really helps in breaking the habit as well. Absolutely. And exactly what you just shared. So I still, my favorite part of the week was Friday night drinks. Like I didn't have them every Friday night, but if there was a Friday night and I could have drinks, it was amazing. That was like my favorite thing. Amrit's going to be there. (laughs) Pretty much, right? And so what I did instead was I, a few things bumped into each other. I got conscious of the fact that I'm the average of the five people I spend my time with. Um, I got in touch with the fact that I'm Indian. I really like chai. I was watching a Tony Robbins clip and I had an aha moment, but my girlfriend was traveling and there was no one at home for me to have a little drop in with around that little aha moment. And I realized people must feel the same. So I'd set up this thing called Mandala Moments, which was basically a spirituality philosophy gathering community night in my house. I brew chai instead of alcohol. Um, And it just so happened that chai happened to attract the right kind of people for me um which were like spiritual. It's all about that chai huh? apparently yeah you know and i just have to <laughs> i'm just indian so i'm just like i just thought you know it was like a nice touch but alcohol is a social lubricant whether you like it or not it's really what it is it like lubricates your social interactions and people crave that and this is what you've just touched on is like subbing that out with something else and so chai really facilitated that for me and people came over just to hang out have yummy chai and talk really deep and we had some really great chats and i learned so much in that process um and actually those chats people having those chats they were the ones that were like dude you need to start a podcast and i was like no I don't want to be an expert on anything. I'm just a humble student, right? Sure. Like I'm just like eternally student. That's my, that's my vibe. That's my, that's everything. Um, and they're like, no, but there's a lot coming out in this and we can't bring people to Mandala moments, but we'd love to be able to share that further. Not only uh, that, man, I think you, you learn a lot more when you're teaching, right? Oh, uh, it's consolidation. Um, yeah. In a mm. massive way. Go to another um, level. Yeah. Yeah. But I also with teachers, like I think we touched on this before is like, you know, there's a lot of people that are teaching because it's um, like the, the, the marketable thing to do. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, Mm. And I don't know if that really, and I think that's why so many people have so many issues with certain people in personal development, because it's like people have found a way that, you know, they find your pain points and they kind of like just sell you something to address your pain point, whether they really helped you heal or shift there's this whole mess in there, you know? Um, and that's why I kind of never really wanted to position myself as an expert because I don't qualify as an expert. You know, I'm just on the journey. I'm on an inspired evolution. I'm on a journey with you or, um, come along, be on your own inspired evolution. And if there's something, yeah, I mean, you're learning as well. You're talking to these people. I mean, that's what I love about podcasting. You get mm-hmm. to speak to people that would never speak to you normally. 
Absolutely. And you get to learn from these people and then you get to bring, you know, listeners along for the ride. So not only that, like, yes, listeners are along for the ride, but okay. So how's this? So like I get to have a coaching call with people that inspire, like people that are basically inspiring the living daylights out of me. So I'll give you an example in a couple of hours. I'm on a call with this lady and she helps people transition, like people that have um, lost people with their grief. And so I lost someone about a couple of months ago and now she's going to come on and give me an hour and a half of her time. Right. And help me process my stuff. Right. Because I, I, I can feel that there's like stuff around grief that I'm not like equipped with to, to move through. So I wow. found like an expert, like the expert in the field for that in Australia. And she's popping on the podcast. What a gift. Like if I had to find time with this person, it would be really a struggle because they'd be busy. They'd be traveling, they're touring, they're speaking and all this sort of stuff. But now I get them to sit down and I get to have the conversation that I want to have with them, right? And really go through, like get coached basically for free, right? The only caveat is that I have to share that conversation with the community and the tribe. Mm. The, the, the amazing thing about podcasting is that is actually what's building the tribe, is being that transparent and that vulnerable and that open, that helps you build a tribe. And then the tribe supports you in what you want to do. It's just like, why isn't everybody podcasting? Just like everybody's mind, like meditating. But anyway, like that for me is just like, it's this, it's this absolute mind trip. It's like, I get to learn. And then sharing that is helping build a community and the community is all there and like supporting me with everything. Like podcasting is an absolute gift. (laughs) It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Okay. So I'm going to, that was amazing, by the way. I'm gonna I'm gonna run through a couple more questions just because um, I know we're a little bit pressed for time, not really, but not really. You know, mm. Muscle, So <laughs> tell me, um, I'm just gonna throw some more random ones at you. So in your experience, Amrit, because mm. you've spoken about, you know, you've you've done these these meditations, you've done these mandala moments, you you're talking about, um, you know, going overseas to these meetings with like-minded individuals and talking about random things that are going to improve your life, like hypnotherapy and all those kind of things. And then you're also talking about all these corporate meditations you're doing, all these um, coaching and all, all this good stuff, right? In your experience, because you've definitely got quite a bit now, what would you say makes people truly happy? Hmm. It's a deep question. Um, The way I'm feeling compelled to answer it right now is actually I personally believe that happiness is not a very strong orientation for you to orient yourself towards. Um, I think happiness is a beneficial symptom of you being in flow, but I don't think it's an orientation. Um, I think it's a byproduct. Can you talk to me? Sorry to uh, interrupt you right there. I just, if um, I can just, if I can just clarify. No, I'll let you finish because yeah. that was. Um, and so the, the stronger orientation in my humble opinion is fulfillment. So if you can align yourself to fulfillment and that goes deeper because it's like your soul's fulfillment on being here in this lifetime right? Like what is it here to achieve, to, to experience, to learn, to grow. If you can orientate, orient yourself towards fulfillment, you will feel more and more flow in your daily things because you're in the flow of what you were here, put here on this earth to do. When you're in flow, you experience bliss. There's just no way around it. Like right now in this conversation, I could have been like 
it could have been 10 p.m. at night and really dark and tiresome. Like, I don't know if it's like nighttime over there for you, but you show up in these conversations and afterwards, I can't go to sleep. No way. Like, I feel energized because conversation and conscious communication is kind of like where I find my flow. That's why I'm speaking. That's why I'm coaching. That's why I'm training. Because wherever there's an ability to, to communicate verbally and learn and grow together and share ideas, that's where like I'm most, that's where I find my flow. And so that process, once I'm in flow, I feel blissful afterwards. I feel blissful in it. I feel like time dissolves. So that's where I find my happiness doing what I love. Um, but doing what you love is basically another way of saying, are you fulfilled? So I think fulfillment is a stronger constitution. Okay. So the reason I got really excited when you started that answer was because I remember a chat that we actually had quite a while ago on your podcast and we were talking, you mentioned a new concept to me at the time and that really kind of resonates with exactly what you're saying now. And I completely agree. Um, a lot of people are searching for happiness, trying to find happiness. And a lot of the times those searches uh, are really counterproductive. Like they try to find happiness through different things that just don't work out. Whether well, it the be reality is you could smoke a joint and feel happy, you know? Yes. But is yeah, that, I mean, well, like how, how sustainable is that? How, how like exactly. is that taking you where you want to go? Like how, like, exactly. You know, whereas you might be able to like, you might find fulfillment in meditating and helping other people meditate. You know, or it could be like you you love art, like you love sharing art and you become like, you know, you just love pu- pulling people into your house and putting other people's art on your walls and that grows into you hosting a gallery. You, you That becomes your whole living, you know, it's like, but that brings you like real inside joy that people get to connect with art that changes their life, you know, like, and that's just one example that just literally. Yeah, I think it's happen. important. I, I spoke to a Buddhist monk a little while ago mm. and we were talking about his secrets to happiness. Yeah. And I mean, happiness is a word that you can define in a lot of different ways. But he was saying that you should look inwards rather than outwards, which is kind of what we're saying now. So he was saying a lot of people like, you know, go to the fridge and get some food. It's going to make them happy. Then they're like, all right, time for dessert. It's going to make me happy. But it's really just the suffering of anticipation combined with the suffering of loss once you eat it or once you're joints finish and you've woken up the next day. So it's, it's really just a way to distract our minds, our restless minds from um, the real root of the problem, which mm. is a lack of fulfillment. So this was, this was what he was telling me, right? Wow. Now, I feel like that really links up with what you were saying. And I think coming back to what I was saying earlier, when we first started talking about this point, I, I don't know, like over a year ago, you mentioned Ikigai to me. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was our podcast. Uh, you, and yes. So you mentioned the idea of Ikigai and I've tried to explain it to people before, but I've never put it in a way that you described to me. Is there a, Could you run through that just quickly <laughs> so that people know what Ikigai is and get it? I think it links to fulfillment quite well, actually. Okay. Um, so Ikigai is a Japanese word. Um, the Japanese have some really cool words. Um like one of them is Satori. So the Japanese believe this is just a bit of a pre preface. Um, the Japanese believe you can learn life in one of like learn from life. Life is always teaching you. You learn in one of two ways. Um, one of them is Satori, which is pure bliss. It's like that moment where you see a meditator and the light bulbs are going off in their heads like bing. And that's Satori. Like you're downloading in just the, the moment of sheer bliss. Um, and the other way is, um, Kensho. Kensho is a samurai stick. So you get whacked around and it's like, boom, course alignment, boom, recorrection, boom, you know, so you keep getting these like whacks. And the thing is 
and whether you believe this or not, this is what I believe is that, you know, we're here to learn and grow um, our souls, our beings, our bodies, everything, you know, we're here for some lessons. And, um, and so those lessons come in the form of learning from pure bliss or learning from, you know, that course correction. So those are some really deep philosophies already in the Japanese culture. Um, but then there's this idea that actually in the Japanese culture, people um, live like really long lives, but the people that have lived living these long lives, they never retired. Like there's no this idea of retirement. Um, and when you start looking into research around retirement and stuff, um, a lot of men struggle with depression and suicide is prevalent, like two years out from men retiring. Um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty icky place to be. So, you know, just in my research, uh, I came across this uh, Japanese concept called Ikigai. And Ikigai is basically loosely translated to, uh, from what I remember, a reason for being. Yeah, which can be defined as your purpose, your soul's purpose, your being's purpose, um, ikigai, a reason for being. And it's an intersection basically of what you're good at as one, what you love as another, what the world needs as another, and what you can be paid for as the fourth, right? So in and around that, what you're good at, what you love, what the world needs and what the world, what you can be paid for. So it basically looks like if you got what you're good at and what you love, if the only those two, if you're doing something and you're good at it and you love it, you've got yourself a passion. Yeah. And if you've got something that you love and you've got something that the world needs, um, I think you've got a mission. Yeah. If you've got something that the world needs and something that you can be paid for, then you've definitely got a vocation. Right. If you've got something that you're good at and you can be paid for it, that's your profession, right? But where your profession, passion, mission, and vocation all intersect, like your, what you love, what the world needs, what you can be paid for, and what you're good at, all these things intersect and you're in that pocket. That is your reason for being. That's your icky guy. And in my I just want to highlight the, the importance. Yeah. That's where you really grow. Yeah, I really want to highlight the importance of actually analyzing this in your own life though. Like how many people sit down and say, okay, what the fuck am I good at? I'm going to, I'm going to write a list of what I'm good at. Mm. You know, what can I be paid for? Write a mm. list of that and kind of try to figure things out in a way where you're actually actively thinking about it. It's, it's not something that I guess we're taught to do in school or any of this kind of thing. So I think it's an important, it's an important concept. It's an interesting concept, but it's also important to actively have a think about it, get a pen and paper out and, and trap those thoughts on paper and see if you can come up with something that you ultimately um, might even, you know, design yourself a, a really balanced lifestyle that you wouldn't have done so otherwise, or you wouldn't have expected you might have just mm. from just from taking a thought like that. Like that's kind of how I began on my journey, to be honest. I sat down and I thought about what is it that I really want? What do I want from life? And what would my ideal life look like? And why? Why do I want that? And then you'll find that if you ask why a couple of times, you'll get to the bottom of what you, you're really after and you'll figure out why you want that. And then it's just a matter of, you know, sometimes you think you want something you really, it's not something that you, you want or you want it for the wrong reasons. So once you do a bit of self-analysis, I think it, things start really working out and you really, you can find that path a lot, a lot easier when things become a lot clearer. What do you reckon? Yeah, absolutely. Um... Yeah, I loved what you just shared. That was, that's brilliant. It's a brilliant process to, to have, you know, just to communicate to yourself via writing and to ask yourself deep questions. Um, 
I wanted to share something just before you asked about Ikigai. We were talking about, um, you know, you had that conversation with the monk and we were talking about fulfillment and Ikigai is, you know, the reason for being. Um, and I think that's why I mentioned fulfillment because it's that alignment to your reason for being is when you're really fulfilled, you can see that as the, you know, I think that's a much stronger orientation. Um, but I had this conversation on a podcast uh, recently with a friend. She's got a podcast called um, Quit Happens. And uh, it comes full circle a little bit in this conversation because you're talking about quitting the wrong things often. And uh, I definitely got triggered to think about her. Um, but something she reminded me of was that actually the distance between your truth and your desires is your suffering. And I've been thinking about that a lot. You know, it's like, where do you want to be and who you really are? You know, the distance between that is all that your suffering is apparently. And it's an interesting, it was an interesting um, idea, but then in and around that, just the idea of fulfillment, like being aligned with your truth and suffering dissipating because you're in alignment with your truth and your soul's expression for who it is and that fulfillment was just something that really dropped in really potently for me in this conversation. So thank you for sharing what you said about the, um, what the monk had to say about contentment and fulfillment. He had a lot of things to say about suffering as well, actually. Um, if you guys want to check out that one, that's episode 15, I believe. Um, but yeah, he was, he was a really cool guy. Like we sat down in his Zen garden at the Kadampa meditation center and we had a chat about life for like an hour. And afterwards, like me and all the film crew and everyone that was with me, everyone was just like, everyone was just like, in a really weird zone. It was, it, was, it, was, it was super cool though. Like that was, I remember that day being I like. I love people day. like that. That's my, yeah. That yeah, man, this me. guy had some that energy. inspires me. The rest of the day was just, I remember the rest of the day. It was just the best day after that. And I left and I felt like I was floating. Uh, but the truth is you can get to a state like that yourself. I mean, mm. it just takes a lot of commitment, a lot of hard work in it. And you got to surround yourself with those people. You know, you need to get into those situations and, and really think about these kind of things. And it blew my mind. The things he said to me that day, to be honest, I didn't really understand what he was talking about. I did to a point or I thought I did. But then I listened back to the to the episode. I think it was like a month later. I got a few things out of it. And then I, I just listened to it a couple of weeks ago and it blew my bloody mind. I was like, everything I've learned and the way I've grown as a person since that point has yeah. really helped me to connect with what he was saying. And to be honest, I could listen to it in another couple of years and I'll probably get some new stuff out of mm. it. So Check that one out, episode fifteen. Um, yeah, you should check it out as well, man. You'll you'll have. Yeah, I'm looking it. forward to it. I'm literally going to download it. <laughs> in this chat. Um, so, yeah, I think when we because we we're talking about fulfillment and happiness, and I feel like there's definitely unhappiness that can be avoided. So instead of I guess searching for happiness, it's it, I think it's a, like you said, it's a smarter thing to go for fulfillment. But you should also notice when there's points in your life when you're unhappy that you could easily change. Like, for example, I feel like I read this book called Zen and the Art of Happiness by Chris Prentice. Have you heard of this book? No. This book, I was going through a difficult time in my life. There was a lot going on with my family and my friends. I mean, I wasn't really happy with the way my life was set out. And I was reading this book at the perfect time mm. because it really taught me that, you know, everything that happens to you in your life is actually the very best thing that could happen to you. <laughs> and when you start not only thinking like that, but actually believing, believing that, that with your soul, mm -hmm. then then that actually starts to, it starts to happen. So things, you know, um, it's a real matter of perspective. If I crash my car and I'm having a terrible time and I'm yelling at the other driver and have you noticed the negative snowballs of, 
happen and you get into this bad momentum and worse things start happening and then, you know, just things go wrong. But if I switch my perspective and look at it like, okay, this guy's hit my car. It's a thing that's happened. There's an, it's not good or bad. It's just a thing that's happened. And it's the very best thing that could have happened to me. I mean, how hard is that to think? But if you really believe that, then it will be and it won't be this big negative thing. You know what I mean? You'll find a way out of it and it'll help you grow. Yep. So yeah, Chris Prentice, Zen and the Art of Happiness, really short book. Um, that just reminded me of that. But yeah, I just feel like it's easy to flip that switch from being unhappy to happy. It's really just, I feel like it's a lot to do with change. You know, change happens and we can't really adapt to that. And that's where a lot of unhappiness comes from. And the Buddhist monk was saying that within your mind, it's actually you, um, you experiencing this unpleasant feeling um, that, that is unhappiness. I can't remember exactly the way he put it, but that's kind of the gist of it. And I feel like if you can really train your mind to be on, on a level path so that you're not like a roller coaster, you're not going up every time something good happens and down every time something bad happens. If you're just on a level roller coaster enjoying the ride, then whatever happens just happens and you're just kind of witnessing or experiencing it. And I think that could take away a lot of suffering. Yeah, the word that um, you're dancing around is surrender at the moment. You know, mm. surrender to the moment um, mm. and just appreciate it for what it is in all in all of its gifts. Um, then you definitely drop into, yeah, a space where there's less attachment to the outcomes and, you know, that's why the Buddhist philosophy around attachment and suffering exists, you know. So, but yeah, something you were sharing that really flat came up for me and that was, um, you know, the things that keep me really calibrated um, and I think that's probably the right word through like even challenges um, when things aren't going the way that I want them to. And uh, I think it's really important to get in touch with your values, you know, like mm. I think every individual has an expression of some really core values. Um, and so like for me, my highest value is connection you know, and in any moment, like if something goes awry, um, I can sort of stop and go, okay, how does that, like what's really impacted here? And it's like, how is that impacting my ability to connect? Like, is it impacting my ability to connect with myself or with others? Or actually, is this something that's refining my ability to interact with others? Like, did someone just rip me off? And that's something I need to learn about connection, you know, or, you know, like anything could be absolutely anything but just coming back to your values and seeing why it is that your feathers have been ruffled um and what it is are actually that the lessons that you're learning about your values um again and again i kind of feel that being one of the most instrumental tools for me to get through um you know when i'm being challenged um really looking at it from like what are the lessons that i'm learning here and specifically you know i find myself when i'm asking myself like what are the lessons that i'm learning like i'm here to learn Specifically, I find that my it's mostly around my values, you know. So for me, mm. it's like wisdom, health, purpose, connection, um, celebration is massive. So, yeah. Yeah, because ultimately you like what you're saying about that. What was her name again? The lady that runs Quit Happens? Um, oh, I've forgotten her name. Um, yeah, I'm bad with names. And Lisa Ann? No. Not so what you were saying yeah. that she was she was she was mentioning that suffering happens when you're you can see like the person you want to be and you're not that person yet and that distance between it. So I think when you're on point with your values, 
I mean, mm. you're the person that you want to be. You're living through your values. Yeah. And that's the state that we all need to kind of, we should be trying to get to because that is what ultimately is going to give you fulfillment. So if, but how are you meant to do that if you don't know what your values are? So mm. I think that comes back to figuring out what they are and constantly asking yourself, and what am I learning from this experience? And am I really acting in a way that aligns with my, what my values are? Mm. And it's important to identify what your values are because everyone's got different values, you know. And I think that kind of brings it back like a little bit deeper so we can anchor this in a bit further for the listeners is that, you know, your ikigai and like your values are kind of like these little, they're the lights on the side of the road towards your ikigai in my humble opinion. Yeah, so they're kind of guiding you towards your soul's expression and fulfillment. And um, if you can find your values, they'll continuously help you channel your energy towards where you want to go. Because at the end of it, what I fundamentally believe as one of my core philosophies um, is that we are the universe looking in on ourselves. You know, humans have this really weird disconnect that I find, you know, and by humans, I mean myself included, you know, and I'm not pointing fingers, is that we believe we came into the world right? But really we came from the world. Like we're an expression of this world. Like we, we were birthed from it. Um, and so we are part of the universe. We are just a, like a fraction of it looking in on itself. And that's why like we're so curious, you know, because the universe is curious and it's natural innate nature looking in on itself going, right? Like, what is it that I am? What is my expression? What is like this thing that's going on here? And so yeah, we're all around, connected and we're all one self and it's, 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 it's tricky to look at ourselves like that. I interrupt I think, you again. I feel so bad. But I, no, that's <laughs> but I think that comes back to, you know, like that's part of the, that's part of the lens that you're afforded. Like there's that yeah. individuality because you need that lens to look at yourself. And so getting in touch with like, okay, what is this lens that I'm holding? Like, you know, what is my lens? And so your lens is like the light that you're meant to direct through your lens is your ikigai, right? Like that's what you're here to do. Like point light at the universe in that direction. That's where you'll feel the most flow. You know, your muscles aren't ten- like hold- holding when you're holding that tension. It's just flow. But on that, it's like, okay, so my lens at the universe is connection, celebration, wisdom, health, and purpose, right? So cool. That's my lens, right? Um, but there'll be someone else that has a lens of like, um, you know, could be anything, you know, um, doesn't really come to mind right now, but your values could be anything, could be joy, could be abundance, could be prosperity, could be wealth. You know, there's a guy that has a Ferrari and a mansion and the universe is looking in on itself from that perspective of like supreme wealth, you know. Um, The issue that I think we face again and again is that a lot of us are trying to grab hold of someone else's lens and look at the universe in through that way. Like the guy with the big house and the Ferrari, he's living his purpose. That's what he's meant to do. Right, but maybe your purpose is surfboard and guitar, but you've chosen not to be surfboard and guitar. You're like, nah, I've got to have the big house and the Ferrari. And it's like, mate, like that's not who you are, you know. Like in this lifetime, you're here yeah. to play guitar and surf and enjoy and chill the fuck out. Like in a that's really good way. Point. You know, so mm. like you are the universe looking in on yourself, getting calibrated really is instrumental instrumental on that journey are your values. Like if you can get yeah, really clear on your process. values. For you to actually look into what you are, what is oneself, you know, what are you really, you know, and then really figure out, you know, what do I need to do to start being honest with myself and to maybe even identify that you're not being honest with yourself or you haven't been is a scary thing to do mm. and what what's really valuable to you and how you're not aligned to those values at the moment. That's not a fucking easy thing to identify. 
Mm. So it's not, it's not like it's an easy thing to do. But I think if you've got some, if you've got a reason to want to do it, or if you're on a path of personal growth or you, you're looking for fulfillment, I think it's, I don't know, you really sound like a lot of things you're saying sound a lot like Alan Watts. And it's a, uh, have you heard of Alan Watts? I've, I've spoken to. Yeah, so he passed away, he passed away 50 years from 2022. So in 2022, um, we've, I've, uh, pre-booked the Melbourne Convention Centre. So trying to like invite a whole bunch of people to come and see really? his life's passing. Um, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So he's he's been someone that's been really profound, had a massive profound impact in my life. Um, yeah, I absolutely love him. And I've just met so many people in my travels that have benefited from his work. Um, but even when you listen to him speak, it doesn't sound real. Like it's just like, but he's right. A lot of people think of things in these kind of ways. I think everyone does because we're brought up this way. You know, uh, like you yeah. said, we came into this world and yeah. these are just kind of, and I guess it's through evolution as well, the way that our mind works as humans. Yeah. When you start to try to and embrace some of these concepts, I think you really get a better understanding of I guess, I think, what's important. That's the biggest gift of, um, of Alan's, in my humble opinion, is that, there's plenty of philosophy that you can adhere to. Um, but if your philosophy is not enriching your life, then what's like, what, like, is that like, what, like, I'm just gonna have to say it. What's the point? You know, like if you've got philosophy in your life, which I think is an absolute blessing, um, it should somehow enrich your life. Right. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not, trying to be controversial but i like i had definitely have questions around original sin in that everybody walks around feeling like they're guilty i have questions around that that's a philosophy right um it's some people's faith and i'm not like here to hold you like saying your faith is wrong i i'm a Sikh by faith and we believe that all faiths are right um everybody's absolutely at liberty to feel what they want to feel and choose what they want to feel but how much of like you know, me coming into this world was uh, a consequence of two people doing something that was wrong and me feeling guilt for that. Like, I don't know if guilt is a frequency that you need to hold at all times. Like, you know, that's, yeah. And so Alan Watts consistently, I found the philosophy that he had to share was always instrumentally there. He was sharing thought processes, ideas, values for you to live a more enriched and better life. And that inspires me like nothing else. Um, finding ways that actually like, cause at the end of the day, like whether you like it or not, and we've been dancing around this a little bit, is that your life is a printout of what you believe. Whatever you believe is what you've got in front of you. So whether you like it or not, right. Um, it's it, your belief systems are literally manifest in the world around you. And so if you think the glass is half full, the glass is half full. If you think the glass is half empty, the glass is half empty. It's neither here nor there. It's whatever you choose to look at it as, right? And that's the reality with so much of it. Um, and so, what's that's in the glass, Amrit? We got some chai tea. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're totally right. You're totally right. Yeah, we're and getting so, a little deep there, but you're yeah, totally right. But that's that's you know that's what I that's what I'm inspired by, and that's consistently why I'm like finding people in the inspired evolution to try and have these chats around who they are and what's inspiring them and what's keeping them going, hoping that's from their stories, people mm. can learn, right? Implementable, like real trial and tested philosophies that these people are living by. So we go super deep just like you and I are right now, 
but it's like what has helped you get to the point where you are like in this real world physical stuff. Right. And, um, for a lot of them, like I can say just from interviewing people that like an idea, like a lot of people that are successful are not holding on to guilt for anything. You know, they're not holding on to shame that they're, that they're successful. You know, it's not like I got really successful because I started believing that once I become really successful, I'm going to be shame of how successful I am. That's not their frequency. Right. So getting really clear on like, what are your values? What are you feeling? What is it that you're believing at any given time um, and how you can change that? And it's, it's like you said, it's really difficult to break your patterns and your beliefs and your habits. It's really difficult because you've ingrained them in from such an early stage. Right. But it's not that they can't be done. Neuroplasticity, mindfulness, emotional intelligence, all point to this thing, which is that it all can be changed which is an absolute blessing, right? So that was actually the first place mindfulness began. They actually put a monk in an MRI scanner with all these nodes and electrodes on him and they saw that parts of his brains he could control with meditation. They're like, oh my God, neuroplasticity. And now it's like this massive thing, neuroplasticity. So it's all, it's all available to shift and change and create. It's interesting when you look at that research on meditation and you look at uh, how they, they did all that research on the monks and they found these patterns in their brains that you know, that, that their minds actually changed and that your mind can change too with regular meditation in a positive way. I mean, more focused, better memory, uh, less inclined to you know, lower blood pressure, pressure, less inclined to Alzheimer's. And that's just like, that, they're just the health benefits. Like, So what they found in that first ever study is that you have something in your brain called the amygdala, right? And this is the mm. like one of the most core parts of your brain. And this brain is responsible. It's like the reptilian, what we call the reptilian part of your brain. And it's responsible for fight or flight. And it's so core and so animal that like they, they just fit for like, like science just did not believe that this could be downregulated. Like you could not possibly downregulate your flight or fight response. Like how could you, it's so intrinsic to being an animal in this world. Um, and they found that this meditator actually through meditating when he was in the MRI scan, he actually downregulated his amygdala and that was the birth of neuroscience. And so from there, they started doing more research. The gray matter actually like thickens in your prefrontal cortex from consistent meditating. And the gray matter in your memory area also starts to thicken from meditating. So you get better memory, you get better cognitive function and you downregulate things you want to downregulate, which is like your flight or flight response. You're less reactionary. You're more like proactive. You're more like in a position of calming abide, you know? Um, so it's, it's just, yeah, I can, I can talk about mindfulness and meditation in the brain all day. (laughs) This is is good stuff. I was talking to uh, Dr. Craig Hassett in one of my episodes about this fight or flight mode. Mm. And he was saying that you need the mode when you're, for example, if you're in Africa and there's a lion chasing you, you need that mode. You need to be able to run. Otherwise you're going to get eaten. But when your boss turns around, Hey, like we need to have a chat. And then you feel that heart racing impulse because you're yeah. on four coffees today and then you're like about to walk into your boss's office and it's not necessarily going to be negative, but you just feel yeah. anxious. That is the same energetic response. Why are you going through that cortisol injection in your body? Like you don't need don't that need much it, cortisol yeah. coursing through your body. And stress like in low levels is great. It gets stuff done, but stress consistently over a period of time is what kills you. Mm. And I think that's the main people, main reason people to turn to meditation. We're just like hyping up meditation, but for good reason, I think. Um, I think yeah, I recently just podcast. did a few episodes on it. Sorry? <laughs> I think that's always going to be the case if you're on a podcast with me though. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely good yeah. stuff. So yeah, a lot of people worry, like you said, going to the boss's office, worried about the future, stressing out the past, mm-hmm. not really being in the present moment, not really being mindful. So 
uh, meditation people. So just quickly, we've mentioned a few different um, people and books and this good stuff. So do you know, um, can you recommend anyone else that people should check out on YouTube or any books that really kind of really helped you out on your journey other than the power of now? Sure. So if you're surfing YouTube, um, just do yourself a solid. And like, I think it's just most pressing in my mind because we looked him up. Um, we talked about him as Alan Watts. Um, and a really yummy book, if you're so inclined, is uh, Alan Watts's The Taboo Against Knowing Yourself. Because um, we've been dancing around self and how difficult it can be to know yourself. So there's a book that he's written called The Taboo Against Knowing Yourself. Um, at the moment on my personal readers list, I'm currently reading Sapiens by, uh, Yuval Noah Hariri. Amazing. What's that book about? Uh, it's about human beings and the story of how we got to where we are today. And, uh, a bit of a, bit of a spoiler. Um, I'm up to chapter I think six at the moment and it's talking about agriculture. So we went through physics, chemistry, mm. biology, so it builds on the story, like history and just who, how human beings became who we were. The whole idea of evolution is kind of, you know, we went from Neanderthals to human beings. That, that Have you seen Home? No, I haven't. Watch Home. That stuff, okay. that is like, yeah, it's not going to be as good as the book, I'm sure, but it's just a beautiful cinematic masterpiece awesome. of what you're kind of talking about. And I love, your, kind of I love narrated, your cinematic yeah. recommendations, man. So yeah, looking up. <laughs> Check it out. Home. Yeah. Uh, one of my uh, filmmaking friends put me onto it and it's just one of the most amazing things you'll ever watch. Awesome. Um, just amazing. Yeah. Okay. So any others? Um, oh, there's so many books. There's so many books. Um, a really good recommendation that I received from podcasting was uh, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Um, that's a really good book as well. Um, but yeah, look like this it's even recommending books is is like a two-sided thing um you know it's important to also connect to you know your lens on the universe again you know um what are you here to do you know what is it that is instrumentally you like you can bury your head in books all you want and definitely some books are definitely going to change your life like and the power of now did that for me um but it just so happens that part of my lens on the universe is mindfulness and helping people with that part of their journey. So it was an instrumental book to me, but you can dig around many books and still not find who you are. So just getting connected to who you are and like really what it is you want to do. And we touched on like the values exercises needing to be challenging. They don't always need to be. You can just literally go to Google and look up values and there's like a pages and pages and pages that like you find three, a four pages and just get out a pen and literally just circle what values resonate. And it's literally as easy as that. And then maybe find some books in around that. So mm, yeah. That's a good tip. Cool. Uh, so just quickly, um, thanks for the chat today. This was like amazing <laughs> stuff. I think I've grown from this chat and like, this is, uh, this is one I'm going to listen back to for sure. So I'm kind of asking everyone this question. Yo. I'm currently putting together a short illustrated book about off the beaten path travel. Mm. Um, and it's just, I'm meeting people in hostels, meeting people on my travels, and it's going to be filled with little quirky tales about remote locations and interesting stories. Um, it's kind of like the anti-Lonely Planet books. <laughs> um, so it's just trying to, you know, give people some new experiences or ideas. So um do you have any remote locations that uh, your journeys have taken you or do you, have you been on any interesting travel adventures that um, kind of hold true to you at the moment or do you have any stories for me? <laughs> um, so I am uh, like an experienced collector almost. <laughs> I've been to <laughs> I think 56 or 58 
yeah, uh, 56, con- let's just say 56 countries now. Um, I think it might be 58. Anyway, 50, let's just say 56 so that we're definitely right. Um, yeah, so traveling is huge. So you're going to have to do like a whole, I could do a podcast on every country <laughs> that I've been to. Um, the story is there one that, experience that stands out. There's one story that came to my mind um, as you were sharing this though. Um, so the, it's not a remote location one. It's an India story. So growing up, my, my passion for travel came from because I was an only child and uh, my parents would just send me to India every couple of years just to connect with the rest of my family because it was just me, mum and dad here in Australia. Nice. And that really gave birth to my passion for traveling and learning and finding myself. So I think we, I was between 10 and 12, maybe 11, somewhere in that bracket. And uh, my cousin, one of them was two years older than me. Another one was one year older than me. And uh, at this stage, I was a really heavy kid. Like um, I think in year eight, I was about 108 kilos. I was definitely working towards that mission at that time. Um, And so I was a chubby kid and we went. um, And so this was the other thing, like coming from Australia, the dollar's really strong. So whenever I went over there with my little bit of pocket money, like me and all my cousins could party. And but partying back in those days kind of looked like going to watch movies, eating lots of snacks and that sort of stuff, right? Chocolate bars and that sort of thing. Love and life. Yeah, love and life. And so we went out to a movie. Um from close to close to my friend's house and in, in, I don't know if you know in India there's this thing called Bollywood and it's massive right like Bollywood mm. is bigger than Hollywood so it's huge and so we went from one cinema like we went from our house to the cinema and from one cinema we went to another cinema from another cinema we went to another cinema and we ended up basically in Old Delhi from New Delhi to Old Delhi is and in New Delhi like Maybe in a Western world, it's like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour driving. Delhi's huge, right? So the population of Delhi is like, I think almost twice the population of Australia, the whole country. Oh, right. And so, yeah. And so we're in old Delhi now and we've got to get back. Before we went into the last movie, I told my cousins, it's like, actually, I think we should go home, not go to this last movie because I don't have the funds to get us a, an auto rickshaw back home from the movie. And they're like, oh, that's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. And I'm like, you know, I was young. I was like, oh, maybe they've got money, right? And so I was like, cool. So we, <laughs> we go watch this last movie. So we started watching movies from like 9 a.m. in the morning and like literally like 11 o'clock at night now. We've just been watching movies all day and, uh, and eating junk food and all that sort of stuff in India. And so now we're like, we get an auto rickshaw to try and get us, like, first of all, 11 o'clock at night, autos are like going home and going to bed and that sort of stuff. Trying to get one from old India to take us to like New Delhi, like the, 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 the trip was huge, right? Big distance, no, yeah. Yeah, normally you'd get a taxi for something like that, not an auto rickshaw. Um, but we definitely, you know, there was no way we were going to get a taxi. So we kept trying to hire, hire out an auto, trying to hire out an auto. Come on, auto, come on. Auto. Anyway, there just happened to be this one auto guy that was going from his place, um, from, from old Delhi back to his place. And his place was in New Delhi. So it was kind of like how Uber does it with like, oh yeah, you get a trip on your way home. Um, so this was like for him, we were, we were that. He was like, oh, perfect. I get to make some money on the way home. So we got in the car and we're, we're going and I'm kind of like to turn to my cousin, like you've got the fare, right? And he's just like, no, I don't have any money. I turn to my cousin, like, you've got the fare, right? I'm really cheeky, So we're sitting there and we're just like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And so my cousin's like, it's okay. Cause you're from overseas. Grandma will give you money because you're from overseas and everybody loves like you because you're from overseas and you're a guest. No one can really be mad at you because you're only here for a little while, you know? So you're not going to get a beating. So when you get there, go inside and just like ask for, um, ask for the money for the auto and they'll give you the money. Right. 
And I was like, okay, okay, shit. Okay, this is what we're going to have to do. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. So we get like relatively close to our house, considering the distance, relatively close. Like uh, I think in the Western world, we'd probably be about 10 minutes from our house. With India and in traffic, maybe it was like 25. Okay. And um, he happens to drive his auto over a brick. And the back tire just goes... And so now we're like, okay, cool. And he's just like, all right, um, we're going to have to put the puncture. I'm going to have to get a put, put a puncture on. I should probably get you another auto, pay for your fare. And at this moment, we're like, oh, wait, no, pay for the fare. Um, we were going to wait till you dropped us off and my grandma was going to pay you. And he was just like, you should have seen his face, mate. Like, geez. Wasn't happy. <laughs> he, was, he was the furthest thing from happy. Anyway, he was just like, what? And we was like, look, this is like, this is our situation. Like, you know, we, we're going to pay you when we go home. Like our grandma's there, but you didn't get us home. Like what, like, what are we going to do now? And he's like, all right, um, what we're going to do is then I'm going to get you another auto. Hopefully there's a guy that's local that I know that I can trust. And like, he's just like trying to flag autos down from the street so that I can collect from them. Right. So he was going out on a bit of a faith and trust. And I'm so I'm standing by the auto. Like, I'm just like, all right, cool. Like you go do this and then we'll get the auto. And like exactly what he said, I was like, that's what we'll do, you know? And so I'm sitting here and he's walking like further away from his auto, trying to flag and flag another auto. And so I'm sitting like just standing there and just waiting for him to flag an auto. And, um, you know, he's stopped some, had conversations with some, maybe he doesn't know him very well enough. And so he's like, all right, whatever. And, um, mind you the fare was like 50 rupees so it's like a dollar right but uh mm. anyway 50 rupees for an auto driver is quite a bit of money and so he's he's trying to flag someone down he's literally walked maybe 20 30 meters away from me now trying to flag down an auto and he looks back and he stares at me raises his arms and literally yells pakaro, pakaro, maro, maro, which means grab him grab him hit him hit him right and I'm looking bokuro, at bokuro, maro, maro. Bokuro, bokuro, maro, maro. And I'm looking at him and I'm just like, like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> And so I've stopped and I'm like, because he's point like he's got his hands in the Who's air. Who's he like, telling like, to grab you? Yeah. So I turn around and look at me, and my cousins, I shit you not, are like 40 meters down the road in the opposite direction, and they're just running. They've legged it. They've yeah. just completely legged it. And I'm standing here and I'm a chubby young kid in sandals, right? And I've just like, I've proceeded to basically just shit myself because I've only ever watched Bollywood movies and like the fight scenes in Bollywood movies. And I was like, holy shit, I'm going to get flogged, not by a family member, by someone off the street. And this is not going to be pretty. Like I'm going to get bashed. And so I'm looking at my cousins and I'm just, and this dude starts running at me. And I start running after my cousins. I just didn't like, there was no thinking. This is that, that the amygdala kicks in, the amygdala kicks yeah, in. Yeah, that, that fight or flight mode. So, I was definitely so, on the flight. I'm just hauling ass, right? Just like pure hauling ass behind my cousins. And I manage, and I still can't tell you to, till today, like the fear that could, that drove me was like so profound because my, my cousins were both like, like athletic and fit. And I was like really heavy. <laughs> I was so afraid. I ran past them. I like overtook them and we're running down corridors like in suburbia and they're like, go left, go right, go left, go right. And I'm just like running, just hauling ass from like absolute fear of getting my head kicked in. Um, and then we basically got a normal rickshaw, which was like a person on a bicycle sat in it and that, that dude took us home. 
And, oh, so you um, went on another one after that. Yeah. So like not an auto rickshaw. <laughs> an auto rickshaw is like a scooter with like three wheels, two wheels behind ah, it. Okay. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude on a bicycle is like a rickshaw. Yeah. So the, the pedal took us home and it was only a 10 rupee fare from there. Um, and I just, I'll never forget that moment. Um, it wasn't something obviously that I'm proud of. Um, but just remembering traveling as a kid and getting into trouble overseas and being that like You should be proud of that. That's that. a growth moment. <laughs> I reckon I should throw that one in the book, get that um, illustrated. But yeah, it was definitely a uh, it was definitely a memorable story um, from really early on as well. And I think that for me was uh, really just, you know, a lot of what India had to offer was all wrapped in and around that story, you know. Um, even some of the the lesser brilliant parts of that, you know, it's like that the wealthy also take advantage of the poor at times as well. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really not fair, um, you know, and life can be fun, but also it's important to honor, you know, what needs to be honored. And, you know, I hope that guy out there is um, doing all the best and really well. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's a really sweet story and gives a bit of insight into you and growing up and thanks for sharing all these tips i think people listening to this episode is a really potent one this is like you guys are really been in for a treat today so (laughs) thank you so much amrit again tell me one more time where people can find your stuff if they're interested in the inspired evolution podcast or some coaching or if they just want to get in touch Absolutely. So getting in touch, um, the best way is Facebook, um, Facebook messenger, send me, um, look up Amrit Sandhu. There's a, there's a profile page, um, that is my own personal profile. And there's a public page. Um, and there's also the inspired evolution, uh, public page and the inspired evolution. If you send messages there, you'll get responses. Um, so definitely hit me up there. Um, you can always email me at inspiredevo at gmail.com for anything such as speaking or any of that sort of stuff that you need done in your local community. Um, maybe there's a festival running and you need a speaker or maybe, you know, you're part of a club and they need a, a keynote speaker or something. That's definitely the place to hit me up. Inspiredevo at gmail.com. Um, Evo being short for evolution. And, um, and yeah, once the uh, website is relaunched, which probably by the time this podcast episode airs, um, inspiredevolution.org will be back up in effect with some online courses and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, please do reach out, (laughs) please do, please do reach out and reach out, um, because connection, um, is my highest value. So I love hearing from you, um, whether it's an aha moment you had or something, even if you just want to just connect and be like, thank you or, uh, not so thank you, you know, even that, you know, like I'm always open to, to learning and growing on this journey. So thank you so much. And uh, just again, man, like I, uh, I really want to take a moment to really thank you, um, Michael, man. Like it's, it's been such a, such a blessing to be on this journey with you and like just having the opportunity to come today and speak and share. And like I said, you know, this is everything to me, you know, I experienced the most flow in conscious conversations and I really value who you are as a human being and, you know, the courage you've exhibited in your life, taking the time to travel, find yourself and really commit to who you are and find your gift to share with humanity and, you do it in really polished and elaborate ways. And I really get a source, a lot of inspiration out of that. I saw your video for Chile recently and it's like, I know you, I know you, when you shared it, you're like, don't judge it. And I was like, don't judge it, mate. It's brilliant. <laughs> so yeah, like, thank you so much for who you are and what you do. And uh, yeah, affording me the opportunity to be here today and much love and respect to you, brother. Same to you, man. Same to you. I really appreciate you coming on the show and I'm just, I was so excited for this podcast. And to be honest, you didn't let me down one little bit, man. This was just, this was awesome so much. Thank you so much, dude. Thanks for tuning into another episode of the Good People Effect podcast. 
This show, I'm really looking for humans. I'm finding these humans to help you grow so that you can really develop your sense of creativity, adventure, and purpose in life and really start growing and flourishing and living the life that you want to live. Amrit's on board with this. His podcast, The Inspired Evolution, is pretty much on the same topic. So if you want to get more information about Amrit's uh, podcast or any of the stuff we've spoken about today, head over to thegoodpeopleeffect.com or goodpeopleeffect.com and check out the show notes on this episode. Cheers.